we are in a series called The Gift of Jesus. And what we're talking about is just that. How Jesus, how God sending his son Jesus is a gift and all the different things we receive from him. And last week we talked about the fact that he's a wonderful counselor and we went through six things that if you went to Jesus for a counseling session, if you sat in the couch across from him and he had his notepad and you were lying down and you were talking about your life, we talked about six things that this wonderful counselor would counsel you on. And I strongly suggest that if you missed that, sermon that you go on the podcast or check it out online um, because this is counsel from Jesus to you. And so, and it's free. I was joking that everyone had to pay me $125 after I was done with the sermon because that's how much counseling costs. Uh, if, uh, actually, more than that. But anyway, uh, and so Jesus has some things, and, and we just went through them. We, uh, you don't have to worry about how other people live their lives. That's one of the things Jesus would tell you. You don't have to worry at all is another thing. Um, just tell the truth. <laughs> don't, you don't have to fabricate to show self-importance, all, all, all these different things. Um, it's better to serve than to be served. And so uh, this was our wonderful counselor. This is the gift of Jesus. Well, this morning, I want to talk about another thing that will kind of um, blow your mind. And um, Mark, I'm going to need to play that piano at some point. Uh, You guys are like, wow, he can play the piano. No, I'm just going to play one chord, okay, Um, to make my point. But I forgot to tell him before the sermon started. So thank thank you. It'll be later. It's when I walk back there. So there's this uh, prophecy about Jesus that was written 700 years before he was born out of Isaiah. And we quote it a lot at Christmas time. And this is where we get some of these things that he's um, a wonderful counselor. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Here's where we get it. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This morning, what we're going to talk about is the fact that God is our Everlasting Father, that Jesus has this title. And the reason it gets kind of weird is because how can the Son uh, be the Father? You know, how can He be called Everlasting Father? Well, the actual Hebrew is uh, uh, really better translated the Father of Eternity. But even so, Why would we call Jesus the everlasting father? And for some of you, even when I use the word father, that brings up all sorts of things. Some of us had a great father. My my dad was a a great dad. I I love my dad. And and, uh, he did as best he could. And my mom too. Um, But he's flawed, right? And you, you might have a father who's really flawed. You might not even know your father. And so to say everlasting father can, can just bring certain emotions. And even when you try to be a good father, I, I, was a, I, I, I say this all the time, I was a perfect father and, and then until I had kids. And then I realized just how flawed of a parent I actually am. I had great advice for parents prior to having children. And then I had them and I just, you know, I, I realized I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, and so um, one other thing. Can you get my glasses, sweetheart? I'm sorry. I can't read anything. Fortunately, I memorize everything, so it's okay. Um, but like, as a father, you want to be a provider, okay? So then that's, that's something really good. 
you, to be a provider. But the flip side of that is that we can spoil our kids. You know, we provide too much or we worry about them having everything. I wrote some other things down that you can be a protector. That's important as a parent to be a protector. But then you can run the risk of being like a helicopter parent, you know, where you're just trying to protect everything. The kid is walking around in a helmet and, a, you know, shoulder pads and everything just when you go to the store. And you can be a, you can be a helicopter parent. Um, a can you hold this so I can read it? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you you, you uh, can be a friend, right? You know, it's good for a parent to be a friend. And, uh, but then in that case, you, you might lose some discipline. Are these 125? These are very fashionable. I don't even, oh, I can look on Facebook. Wow. I look fantastic. Hello, Facebook. Okay. Good. Anybody do any little hearts when I did? No. Okay. You guys are lame. You're up. Right, it can be guiding, can be a guide, okay? But then in, in, in that way, some parents can micromanage and can guide every decision and every, every part. Can be a disciplinarian, which is good. A, a parent should, be, uh, uh, should give discipline. But um, actually, these are fine, babe. I got them. Yeah, these are fantastic. Uh, can give out discipline, but then can be abusive sometimes, right? Can be encouraging, that's awesome for a parent to be encouraging. Actually, I will take those. I'm going to stretch these out with my enormous head. Okay, there we go. Thanks. Except when we encourage, sometimes we can kind of encourage narcissism. That We, we, we set these things like, oh, you can do anything. You can be an astronaut. And uh, most of them can't. Uh, a coach. You can be a coach. All these, all these things. To be a father, to be a parent, all these things. And yet there's a flip side in all of us that is flawed because we live in a broken world and we're all broken no matter how hard we try to be the best parent we can. But this morning, I have good news for you. There is a father that can be a father to anybody here that is perfect in all of his ways. And he's a good, good father. And so what I wanted to do this morning was show you something about Jesus, because the series is called The Gift of Jesus. And we're going to be seeing how Jesus reflected the father. And at the end, we're going to see how does this play out in our own lives to have this. And so um, we're going to start, most of these verses are in John, and we have this wonderful gift in the Bible of having four different accounts of Jesus, that four different perspectives that are inspired by God to show four different aspects. You know, it would be kind of like if, if you were to see an event happen, depending on where you were, you would notice certain things and you would see certain things. Well, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written from four different perspectives. One was written by um, a physician, and he set out to really try to document perfectly the accounts of Jesus, and that was Luke. One was written by this kind of emotional, uh, fiery, prophetic guy, and that's John. And, uh, and that's what we're going to be looking at. One was written by a tax collector. It, uh, it would be this, uh, who, who came to Christ. It would be similar of, of like so an IRS agent, okay? Uh, it comes to Jesus, uh, if that is possible. Okay, so... Um, uh, 
Check this out. I'm just kidding. For all of you IRS, actually, I shouldn't have said that because if that gets out, I'm getting, I'm going to get in trouble. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. Now, Jesus, what was happening at this point was um, Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath. And for the, for the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law, this was a travesty because the Sabbath uh, was a holy day where you're supposed to do no work. Well, God never had intended it to be something where you, you didn't heal people or take care of people. It was set aside for our good. So that we would have a day where we could recharge, have a day where we could focus on God. Um, one, one of the one of the be- most beautiful uh, things in the Bible, in the law, is not um, harvesting up right up to the edge of your property, and like, and that's that's just like American culture right now. You 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 take everything you possibly can get. You work as hard as you can. You get as much as you can, and you kind of get it, and we have it as possessions. And the Bible talks about no, no, no. Just trust God for that other part. And so. He heals on the Sabbath, and they get upset. And so this is Jesus' response. He says, my father's always at his work. To this very day, I too am working. Now, this is a phenomenal concept. Did you know that your heavenly father, this good, good father, is at work right now? And he's at work in all sorts of different ways. There's some people he's healing right now. There's some people he's encouraging right now. There's some people that they're just clinging on to him to get through a certain situation. He's at work. Now watch what happens. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. (laughs) Because he says this. Why? Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, watch this, making himself equal to God. Even the people in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, knew that Jesus was claiming to be God. Now, he doesn't claim it right here, outright, but this is what's happening. So Jesus answers them, gave them this answer. Truly, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does the son also does. Have you ever watched a kid looking at one of his parents and start to mimic what they're doing? Has that ever happened to you and you felt guilty (laughs) because of what you were doing at the time? And you're like, okay, no, 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 don't watch daddy right now. Daddy's very angry. You, you, you control your emotions. Okay. Don't, you know, but, but this is, this is, can you imagine what it was like for Jesus To look up at his heavenly father and mimic that. See, here's the point that I want you to see this morning. If you want to know anything about God, if you want to know what makes him angry, what makes him happy, what he thinks about you, you look at Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of God. In fact, Jesus is God. I told you I'd play the piano, Um, but I wanted to give you an idea because what we're going to be talking quite a bit about this morning is the Trinity, and the doctrine of the Trinity is a tough, it's hard to wrap your mind around because there's one God, okay, Jehovah, represented in three persons, okay, so there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, so the, the best way I can uh, describe it is in um, 
in a chord, okay? In a chord, you have three notes. This is awesome. In a chord, you have three notes. So you've got the, the father. Uh-oh, it's not working. Did I do something wrong? Is it going? Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Wait, that was a Space Odyssey. Did I mess up? This is quite possibly the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. I just wanted to play a note. Oh, I don't know. Oh, here comes Mark. No? Okay. Well, that failed miserably. Don't worry about it. Where's Maya? Come up here. Come up here. We'll just hang it all together. Really? Yeah. Aw, okay. Can I be God the Father? Yes, you can. Okay, good. Awesome. Good. You can be Jesus. Okay. You're the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. I don't care. So we're doing a chord. Ready? Oh, okay. Okay. There we go. Awesome. Thanks. That must have been an awesome video for you guys right there. Yeah, there we go. Okay, always be prepared. That's your lesson for today. Okay, so, so God is like this chord, this rich chord that as, if you play it together is this beautiful thing, but it's individual notes. I hope that makes sense, and you'll never forget that for a lot of reasons. Um, and so this is him. He says, I, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only see, do what he sees the father doing. And so Jesus is this, this mimicker, this this. this personal, fleshly, we talked about it in the first week, God among us. He dwelt among us. God chose to send his son Jesus in the form of a baby to be God in the midst of us. He goes on, he says, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son, listen to this, gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. This is Jesus. This is what we celebrate at Christmas is the fact that Jesus coming, God coming in the form of man provides a way for us to have a relationship with our good, good father. 700 years before he was born, he will be called Everlasting Father. Watch what Hebrews 1 says. This is amazing. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. Now, if that's the case, how bizarre is it or how incredible is it that God would take the form of a baby. What does that tell you about your heavenly father, that he loved you so much that he would humble himself? Philippians says it this way, not, only, uh, not regarding equality with God, something to be held onto, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. He says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It's incredible. So now we have God the Father who 
The Trinity creates the earth, creates the world, father of creation. And then we have Jesus coming down in the form of a man, of a baby, and growing up and spending 30 years as confined to what we're confined to in our flesh. And now we have the Holy Spirit who guides us and directs us. This is all one God. And so the Holy Spirit would, would, is, is there to be a comforter, to be an encourager, to give guidance for the sole purpose of this, to have you and I represent Jesus in our homes, at work, in our communities. In John chapter 12, staying on this theme, because John talks quite a bit about Jesus being God. He's, that's one of his main perspectives as he wrote that gospel. He says this in 12. Then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. And so there's this sense that how, whatever you believe about Jesus, that's what you believe about God. And then he makes this incredible, incredible statement. You can't get around this one. If you have a problem with Jesus being fully God, you're going to have a tough time with this particular verse. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. That is phenomenal. That you see Jesus and you see the living God. Sometimes I think to myself when I think about when I think about God, oftentimes I'll find myself compartmentalizing him. Like uh, um, I'll pray to God, the Father, about some things. Um, I'll pray to Jesus about other things, and then I'll pray to the Holy Spirit about other things. It's just one God, but these different persons. Jesus is saying this. When you pray to me, you're praying to the Father. When you pray to the Holy Spirit, you're praying to the Father. When you pray to the Father, you're praying to me. Jesus says, when you see me, you see him. Wouldn't it have been just amazing to have actually seen him? I just, I just wonder what that would have been like. He goes on, uh, he, he talks about some things about, um, I don't even talk, he says, I don't even say a word unless my heavenly father tells me to say it. And he says, I know that his commands lead to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the father has told me to say. And then in John chapter 14, we jump two more chapters. He, uh, he, he's talking to Thomas, and uh, he's talking to his disciples about, listen, you see me now, and this has been great, and, and, um, and we've done miracles together, we've done ministry together, but I'm leaving, and I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit. And if I were a disciple, I wouldn't have any clue what he meant like that, and Thomas didn't either, and Thomas gets a bad rap. We, we call Thomas what? Oh, man, you guys are cold. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we call him Doubting Thomas. But I've renamed Thomas, and I make an official de declaration as your pastor. He's common sense Thomas. <laughs> That's really what he is. He's common sense Thomas. It, it would be any one of us would go, wait a minute. Seriously? Come on. You know? And so here's what common sense Thomas says. He says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? That is not doubting. That is common sense. If you don't know where you're going, you can't know the way, okay? And so this is what he's saying to, to Jesus. And Jesus makes this phenomenal statement. The way, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one 
comes to the Father except through me. And he says this, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. And I wonder if he just went, and you've seen him. Like, put his hands out. Like, like it's, it's me. Isn't that incredible? Now, listen, I know for some of you, uh, you might be here at church, and for you, this is a new thing. The whole idea about following God or uh, looking into the Bible or what have you. Uh, you can open up your candy. That's fine. <laughs> so, uh, this might be completely new for you, okay? I get that. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I know that some people follow Muhammad and some people follow Buddha and all this kind of stuff. And can't we just all just have this, this like, God and all of us? It's called pantheism, and, and here's why we can't. Because those particular expressions, you're not seeing the Father. There's one way to see the Father. It's through Jesus. And this is what got them so upset got the Pharisees and teachers of the law so upset was because he was saying, look, I am it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is why we spend so much time talking about Jesus because Jesus is God represented in the flesh and he's a model for who we are. So Philip says this, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us, like if that's even possible. It's still hard for them to wrap their mind around. And of course it is. It was probably even harder for them because they could see Jesus right there. Whereas for us, we kind of think of it more mystical anyway. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, and he says the, almost the exact same thing that he said in chapter 12. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and my Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus says, either believe the words or believe the works. Now, how does this all apply to us? Because it's great theology. But what's our practical takeaway? Well, Jesus is gone, and now we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And now we have the Holy Spirit. So where is the physical manifestation of Jesus? How, how do we show somebody Jesus? If Jesus is the representation of God, how do we show people Jesus? Who does that? We do. Watch what 1 Corinthians says. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. Can you believe that? That you and I now, we take on the responsibility of demonstrating to those around us what Jesus would be like. That is our mandate. That is why we're called to be disciples. We're called to study Jesus, to study his life, to study how he handled things, and then to own that, to learn it, and then to own it, that we are actually become his hands and feet. Yesterday, I saw people 
being Jesus to our community. When um, Gary Gerhart put on that Santa outfit, and when Beth Titus was Mrs. Claus and owned that whole thing right down to the last second, that was Jesus in a Santa suit. <laughs> yeah, it was Jesus in a Santa suit. Yeah, thank you, Gary, for that. And you didn't shave your beard. Not yet. Okay, good. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, the bounce houses came, and uh, you know we had raised all this money to pay for these different things, and the two bounce houses came, and uh, we're ready to pay the bounce house guy, and Jeremy Campbell just steps up and goes, no, I, I got this. He was being Jesus. Every time one of those kids bounced, it was because Jesus bought them a bounce house, right? It was really great. Awesome. Kip and Desiree Smith were unbelievable. Um, I've used the word phenomenal like seven times in this sermon, but they were phenomenal. Just working and working and working and working as a... um, uh, yelling out names and fixing stuff up and checking kids in. It was just incredible. And I, I know I'm going to end up missing some people. Um, but Brandy was with the food the whole time and had to interact with people. That would, must have been horrible. Uh, that was sad. But, but Jesus was passing out uh, a bunch of treats and um, uh, Cynthia Zerwick was jamming around. I don't know where she is right now, but oh yeah, just so much energy. And Peter, uh, I don't know if he's here. Peter had been started from the very beginning and worked carrying tables and all these things uh, all day long. It was really amazing. Claudia, uh, I don't know if she's here, but uh, there she is up in the top. She was translating and guiding people around and all, all that kind of stuff. Andy Anderson vacuumed with a shop vac our entire patio, okay? Like vacuumed the patio. Uh, that, was, that was really awesome. Phil Buckley, and uh, I, I can't say enough about uh, Maria Puckett, who uh, worked all day and had some of her coworkers come and uh, help us with that from 10X and that was awesome. Maria and Alfred, they don't even go to our church, but she translated the whole time, and he was out being a parking lot attendant, and that was really awesome, and the helmets were amazing, and uh, Sazia and Lewis, where, where is he? Is Sazia here? Okay, yeah. They, they were incredible. They were passing out gifts. Aaron was passing out gifts. Um, Grace, Virgil, thank you so much for bringing toys and getting your people involved. Here's my point, okay, and I know I'm going to miss some people here. Bert, <laughs> thank you, Bert. He's just a man's man and carried tables by his own bare hands. Uh, it was amazing. Jonathan did a great job as well. Stayed here all the way to the very end. We can represent our Heavenly Father. As Jesus was an exact representation, we probably won't get that good at it, okay? When we do things like that, when we bring shalom to a neighborhood, when we uh, give somebody uh, forgiveness when they don't deserve it, we're being Jesus to them. We're, we're, we're being a reflection of our Heavenly Father. As we um, 
are, 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 take a serious stand with personal holiness and we make decisions that are maybe difficult for us where we don't do some things we'd like to do but we just know that it's better if we live according to uh, the holiness that Jesus held himself to. Those things are hard but in the process we become like Jesus. This final verse in John chapter 14 I, I stuck a, the, this Corinthians verse in there. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And when he did go to the Father, he left behind the bride, the ecclesia, the gathering, the church. And our job now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is to go and do the works that Jesus would do. So every time you forgive somebody, you're doing the work that Jesus did for you. Every time you take a step of faith, maybe to remove something from your life or to add something that you don't have, you're being like Jesus. 